0: Good afternoon to each one of you. It's good to see all of you back this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to make an announcement before I have prayer, and that is I have some sticky notes in my hand here. I'm going to put them on the table down front. Those of you who would like to write questions, we're going to have a question and answer after the meeting, or at the end of the meeting this evening. So I don't claim to know everything about Ellen White or anything else for that matter, But if you have some questions based on what you've heard, maybe I haven't addressed some things you have questions about, I'll be happy to take some questions later on this (coughs) evening. So I'm going to leave these down here, and after the meeting this afternoon, you can come and grab a sticky note, write a question out, and we'll take some questions um, this evening. So I'm going to set this right here, and I'm going to open our meeting now with prayer. So let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this Sabbath that we've had together, and I thank you that we can come together now and learn more, and I pray that you will guide this afternoon meeting, that we will learn more, that will be helpful for us in our walk with you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So last evening I shared my personal testimony, and I told the story of Brother Stephen Smith, who found out 27 years later that if he had simply followed the testimony he had received, how different his life might have been. And this morning we talked about how the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy and how it is under attack by the devil, but that we can know that there truly is a God in Israel who has spoken to us through Sister Y. And sometimes the way he spoke through her especially with the Salamanca vision as we talked about this morning is just a dramatic evidence of how God has used her to bless this church. This afternoon we're going to spend some time talking about how we properly use the spirit of prophecy. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a few thoughts about the level of inspiration that LMY is at and how we can properly use her individually and also in the church, because, you know, I spent some time with my testimony, and then I talked about how important her writings are. But when it comes down to everyday life, how do we find value from her writings? And some, for some of you, this may seem pretty basic, but it's pretty foundational. And if you're not properly using her writings, or if you don't understand a proper use you're missing out on a great blessing. So as Seventh-day Adventists, how do we use the spirit of prophecy? Well, you know, it's obvious that many Seventh-day Adventists don't properly use the spirit of prophecy, and some may use her writings to beat people over the head. That may be true, but in this day and age, I believe that the vast majority of misuse comes from the fact that people just simply aren't using her writings at all. And if you want to make the worst mistake with Ellen White, that would be to simply ignore her or to not use her writings at all. So I'll say that at the very outset. And I read the statement this morning, and I'll read it again now. This is Selected Messages, Volume 1, page 48. The very last deception of Satan will be to make of none effect the testimony of the Spirit of God. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Proverbs 29:18. Satan will work ingeniously, in different ways and through different agencies to unsettle the confidence of God's remnant people in the true testimony. I'm not going to spend a lot of further time on that point. Now we're going to talk about various objections to her later on in the evening meeting. But we don't want to be falling into the trap of making her writings of none effect. We want to make sure that we're using her writings properly. So what authority does Ellen White have for us as Seventh-day Adventists? And I'm going to read a statement from Review and Herald, January 20, 1903. The Lord has sent his people much instruction, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Little heat is given to the Bible, and the Lord has given a lesser light to lead men and women to the greater light. So Ellen White refers to the Bible as the greater light. This is pretty basic, but again, it's important for us to go over this. And Ellen White referred to herself as the lesser light. Now let me ask you a question. Does a lesser light mean that she was less inspired? No, it doesn't. It means that she had a different level of light compared to the Bible, but we're going to talk about why she would refer herself to the lesser light leading to the greater light. And when you go through the test of the prophets one of the things that we find with the test of the prophets is that a true prophet of god is going to lead us back to god and is going to lead us to scripture and if you're using ellen white's writings properly it's going to lead you back to the bible so if you're using ellen white and it makes you not want to read the bible then maybe there's something wrong with how you're reading her but most of the time if you're reading her in the right way it's going to make you want to study the bible more deeply and to have a deeper walk with God through scripture. So lesser Light does not mean that she was less inspired. I'm going to read to you a statement now from Testimonies, Volume 4, page 230. God is either teaching his church, reproving their wrongs, and strengthening their faith, or he is not. This work, referring to her ministry, this work is of God or it is not. God does nothing in partnership with Satan. My work bears the stamp of God or the stamp of the enemy. There is no halfway work in the matter. The testimonies are of the spirit of God or of the devil. Now that's very strong. That's Testimonies, Volume 4, page 230. So in her own words, she's saying she's the lesser light, but she's also saying that you you have a choice to make when it comes to my writings. Her writings are either of God or they are either of the devil. Because God isn't going to be halfway in between and say, well, I'll kind of have a halfway prophet who sometimes is for me and sometimes is for the devil. No, she was either fully on God's side or she was fully on the devil's side. It's not an in-between proposition here. Does that make sense? Either Ellen White is fully on God's side or she is fully on the devil's side. And I mean, when you read books like Steps to Christ and Desire of Ages, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me or anybody else who's read those That she was working for Satan when she wrote such books. So I think we know which side she is on. And you know where I stand based on what I've shared so far. So, in her own words, Ellen White is saying, Look, you've got to make a decision. I'm the lesser light leading to the greater light. And with this light that I have, I'm either working for God or I'm working for the devil. God's not going to play the middle road here. And then in Testimonies Volume 5, page 661, she says, In ancient times, God spoke to men by the mouth of prophets and apostles. In these days, he speaks to them by the testimonies of his spirit. There was never a time when God instructed his people more earnestly than he instructs them now concerning his will and the course that he would have them pursue. Now, that's very interesting. She's saying there's never been a time when God has instructed his people more earnestly than now and if you think about it she may be the lesser light but think of all the writings that god has given to us now we're familiar with ellen white saying that if we had followed the bible as a people we would not have needed her writings now considering how much she's written what does that say for us as a people when it comes to following the bible It's like we're so dull in our understanding of Scripture that the Lord had to give her message upon message upon message because we couldn't get it. And so he had to put it out in plain English. So, yes, if we had followed the Bible, we wouldn't have needed her writings, but the fact that we have so many of her writings tells us how far off we have been when it comes to following a straightforward reading of the Bible. And I mean... You know, you look at our church today and the various methods of interpretation of Scripture. I mean, you can have a a verse of Scripture saying something is black and this is white, and people will still say, no, that means it's gray. I mean, because of the unbelief of people. We can't just take the Bible as it reads. People will say, no, that's not really a plain reading. You really can't take it that way. And so God has spoken to us to make things extra clear. And so then the way we try to get around that is to say well i'm not really sure that i believe in her so that's where many admins are at but how do I, so so she has laid the foundation she says that god has spoken through her and that she's the lesser light and that her work is either of god or it's of the devil. Um, and she she also gives a, f- a few other thoughts about how god <clears throat> has spoken through her And this is from Councils to Writers and Editors, page 112. She says, In the testimony sent to Brother Blank, I have given you the light God has given to me. In no case have I given my own judgment or opinion. I, enough, I have enough to write of what has been shown me without falling back on my own opinions notice what she says i have enough to write of what has been shown me without following without falling back on my own opinion so it's not like ellen white would sit down and write a testimony or write counsel of instruction and based on her own opinion send out a testimony or write a book No, she had so much light from heaven that she didn't need to fall back on her own opinion. She had all the light that she needed from heaven when she sent testimonies and instruction to the church. Now, when the early Adventist church was first developing, it is true that we developed all of our doctrines based on the Bible. And what I'm going to say now is, is sometimes a bit of a controverted point, but it is true that the pioneers were basing their beliefs based on what the Bible said, but there were differences of opinion on some of these key areas of doctrine where they would reach an impasse. And notice what Ellen White says in Selected Messages, Volume 1, pages 206 and 207 When they came to the point in their study where they said, We can do nothing more, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon me, I would be taken off in vision, and a clear explanation of the passages we had been studying would be given me with instruction as to how we were to labor and teach effectively. Thus light was given that helped us to understand the Scriptures in regard to Christ, His mission, and His priesthood. A line of truth extending from that time to the time when we shall enter the city of God was made plain to me, and I gave to others the instruction that the Lord had given me. So sometimes the brethren would reach a point where they couldn't come to an understanding or an agreement on what a certain passage of Scripture was teaching, and it was at that point that she would be taken off in division to come to an understanding that this is what the truth is on that particular passage of Scripture. And that helped to develop a line of truth extending from that time till the time that Jesus comes back. So certainly Ellen White has had a very significant role in the foundation of the Seventh-day Adventist Church and in the beliefs and the doctrines that we have as a people. Now, you may hear some people say, Ellen White is fine for devotional reading, but I'm sola scriptura. In other words, I believe in the Bible and the Bible only, and if Ellen White contradicts the Bible, that's too bad. I'm going to have to go with what the Bible says. Well, first of all, you're going to have a hard time convincing me that Ellen White's contradicting the Bible. That's the first point. But secondly, when someone tells me that they're sola scriptura, my response is, you know what? So am I. I'm also sola scriptura. And you know what my Bible teaches me? If you're going to be sola scriptura and the Bible and the Bible only, My Bible teaches me that there will be a church just before Jesus comes back who the devil aims his attacks upon, who keep the commandments of God. And are you keeping the commandments? Just wondering. Seventh day is the Sabbath. And they have the gift of prophecy. And so... My Bible teaches me that there's going to be a church at the end of time that has the gift of prophecy, that has the testimony of Jesus. So yes, I am sola scriptura. And when I follow the test of the prophet, I find that Ellen White meets those tests and she points people back to the Bible. So if you're saying you're opposed to Ellen White, you're actually saying you're opposed to the Bible. So just keep that in mind. If someone is trying to set the Bible up to put down Ellen White, my response is, no, my Bible, which is every Bible, in Revelation 12, 17 makes it very clear that God's... And then you connect that to Revelation 19, 10, and Revelation 22, 8, and 9 makes it very clear that there will be a prophet with the testimony of Jesus in God's last day church. And if you reject that, you are rejecting Scripture, and you are not truly sola scriptura. So don't let someone make you think that you're not following the Bible if you believe in the testimony of Jesus because the Bible actually teaches that there would be the prophetic gift in his last day church. And there is abundant evidence to to show as we've already talked about some already. Now, I'm going to share a few other illustrations about the role of Ellen White in God's Last Day Church. This is actually written by Uriah Smith. And this was written in the Review and Herald January 13, 1863, which is the year the Seventh-day Adventist Church formally organized as a denomination. (coughs) And he gives an illustration that is very helpful. He says, suppose we are about to start a voyage. So this is Going on a ship across the ocean. It's still a helpful illustration. Some people still go on sh- ship rides, but usually they're cruise ships now, but some people go transatlantic or transpacific. And he says The owner of the vessel gives us a book of directions, telling us that it contains instructions sufficient for our journey, and that if we will heed them, we shall reach in safety our port of destination setting sail we open our book to learn its contents we find that it's author lays down general principles to govern us in our voyage and instructs us as far as practicable touching the various contingencies that may arise till the end but he also tells us that the latter part of our journey will be especially perilous that the features of the coast are ever-changing by reasons of quicksands and tempests. But for this part of the journey, says he, I have provided you a pilot who will meet you and give you such directions as the surrounding circumstances and dangers may require, and to him you must give heed. With these directions we reach the perilous time specified, and the pilot according to promise appears." But some of the crew as he offers his services rise up against him. We have the the original book of directions, say they, and that is enough for us. We stand upon that and that alone. We want nothing of you. Who now heed the original book of directions? Those who reject the pilot or those who receive him as that book instructs them? Judge ye. What do we say is distinctly this, that the gifts of the Spirit are given For our pilot through these perilous times and wherever and in whomsoever we find genuine manifestations of these, we are bound to respect them, nor can we do otherwise without insofar rejecting the word of God which directs us to receive them. Who now stands on the Bible and the Bible alone? It is the one who will receive the pilot according to its directions. We do not then discard, but obey the Bible by endorsing the visions, while we should just so far reject and disobey it. As we should refuse to receive the provisions it has made for our comfort edification and perfection so listen the bible has told us and i like that illustration the bible has told us just before we come to the end of our journey on this earth god would send a pilot or a prophet who would give us direction and that we should listen to that testimony when that time comes But how crazy is it then to rise up and say, we don't want to hear the directions? Yeah, when the original owner said, if you listen to the pilot that I send you, you will get through the crisis. And what makes us think that we are smart enough to get through the crisis on our own? So Ellen White has given us a play-by-play scenario of what to expect for the coming crisis, you know. When you study Revelation chapter 13, it's in symbolic language. There's a a, a beast that comes up out of the sea. He has seven ho- seven heads and ten horns, and he has a mouth speaking great things, and he has a deadly wound. And the wound is healed. All the world wonders after the beast, and then we see a second beast that comes up out of the earth and he has two horns like a lamb and he speaks like a dragon and it's all in symbolic language and when you read the book great controversy the language is no longer symbolic it's very clear what we're talking about when we come to end time events why would you want to throw that out and say oh i'm just going to go with the bible and the bible only And, and you think that in your own human wisdom that you're somehow going to come to a better conclusion Than God speaking through his Spirit through his prophet. Now, what about this idea of the lesser light? Um, Back in the Adventist Review 1982, a gentleman by the name of Roy Graham wrote an article, How the Gift of Prophecy Relates to God's Word. And this is also very helpful. He says, The moon is called in scripture the lesser light. We know that it shines with borrowed light from the sun, but this does not make the moon any less authoritative. It has its sphere and its appointed task in God's creation. So when Ellen White uses this term to describe her work, she is not just being modest or humble. She is not saying that she is a second-class prophet. She is not saying that her messages are of a less important or less urgent nature than those of the biblical prophets rather she is emphasizing the function of her role and her messages now listen carefully to what roy graham says here the work of any one prophet cannot be compared to the cumulative light that shines across the centuries from the many prophets whose works are found in the holy scriptures does that make sense to you so you have one prophet in the late 1800s and the early 1900s that the light that god sends through that one prophet compared to the light of the entire bible that was written over centuries is going to clearly be a much greater light than light that god sends through one prophet just before he comes back doesn't mean that she's less authoritative It doesn't mean that she's less inspired. It just means that she's one prophet compared to the many prophets of Scripture. Does that make sense? He goes on to say, But the source of her ministry is the same as theirs. And while her work was primarily for the Seventh-day Adventist church, this in no wise diminishes the importance of her role to that people. She is one and the canonical prophets are many, but both she and they were commissioned by the Holy Spirit to accomplish specific tasks for God's people. It is important to discern the distinctive function of both. So we have the greater light, the Bible, and of course within the Bible we have the Gospels of Jesus and of the time he was here on this earth. So you have 66 books of scripture with many different authors over many different centuries. And that is the greater light that Ellen White points us back to as the moon reflects the light of the sun. But Ellen White is also a light that God spoke through, that the Holy Spirit worked through. And so when you say, well, I'm going to place the Bible above the writings of Ellen White, Yes, the Bible is the greater light, but Ellen White has the same degree of inspiration. And yes, her ministry was the Seventh-day Adventist primarily, but God, the same source of inspiration, the same source of authority that inspired holy men of God as they spoke and as they were moved by the Holy Ghost in Scripture, that same spirit inspired Ellen White. And she was not speaking her own opinions. She was reflecting the light that God had given her. So I thought that was a very helpful comparison that she's a lesser light because she's one prophet compared to the many prophets of scripture who um, wrote the Bible over many centuries. So that is the greater light. She is the lesser light that leads us back to that greater light. So I've shared a few thoughts thus far on how Ellen White refers to herself. She's the lesser light, but you have to make a decision. When she speaks, she's either speaking for God or she's speaking for Satan. It can't be for both. And clearly she is on the Lord's side. And that God has spoken to his people more earnestly now than ever. And just remember the last deception of Satan will be to make her writings of none effect. So clearly her writings have authority for us as a people. They're not simply inspiring. They're not simply devotional in nature. And yes we gain great devotional value and inspirational value from reading them but they have inspired value for us when we read her writings now i wanted to make a few personal and practical illustrations for for us and then i'll also make a few comments about how we use her writings within the church first of all you know and i'll talk to you about you know books that you can read first of all though the writings of Ellen Y are never to replace the reading of Scripture and the study of Scripture. So if you're reading Ellen White and you're not reading the Bible, something isn't going completely right in your devotional life. And so you always want to make sure that you have a clear grasp of Scripture. And you want to make sure that you are spending time in Scripture. And if you're having a hard time, you know, Finding reading the Bible interesting, and you know, look, especially maybe if you're in academy and, and you're in college, sometimes it, it can be a bit of a, a developmental process to learn how to make the Bible interesting, but once you figure it out, there's nothing better. And so if you're having a hard time and you're slogging through First Chronicles, and it's a great book, don't get me wrong, um, start with the Psalms and remember that the psalms of david go to go to the psalms of david a man after god's own heart and pray those psalms back to god so that what david is saying will become your experience and how you relate to god and then the bible starts to become real and it starts to become alive and so Um, You know, when you read Ellen White, you can see how she had that own experience with Scripture. And if you're reading her writings, you would want to have that experience as well. But, you know, don't start with the hard stuff in the Old Testament. Start with areas of Scripture where you can really have a deep living connection with God. And then I certainly find personally very rewarding the study of prophecy in Daniel and Revelation. And I also deeply enjoy the books of Romans and Hebrews and the the spiritual value that those books have. When it comes to Ellen White, you know, if you're at a starting point in your reading experience with her, I would encourage Steps to Christ as a starting place. And you're never going to read a better book outside of the Bible on the plan of salvation than that book. You go through that book, and you should go through it every so often. For those of us who are adults, we, sh- we need to go through that book every so often because it's so clear, the plan of salvation. And then go through the Conflict of the Ages series, read, read it through. And you may not realize this, those of you who are younger, but if you read through the Conflict of the Ages series and, and you gain the value from that series, you're going to know more about the Bible than most people. You may not realize that, but if you read through the Conflict of the Ages series, you are going to know more about the Bible than a, even non Adamist Bible scholars who simply read through the Bible for doubting purposes. You know, I'll tell you a story. Um, on my, In my car, I have satellite radio, and I have CNN, and I listen to that. Uh, I get the, that car one day a week when I have my 30-minute drive the rest of the week Joel gets it but anyway on the one day that i have the car with a satellite radio i'm listening to CNN and they had this series on there one time about the bible which it's interesting to hear what secular people or non-adventist people say about the bible and they had this so-called bible scholar from Notre Dame and she was talking about the differences in the four gospels and she was calling into question whether or not jesus and john the baptist were really cousins and she was saying that luke probably just put that in his writings to make um john feel better about himself and it was like are you kidding me like so on what basis did you come up with such an idea when you read the conflict of the ages series you'll see how all of those things connect together and how mary and elizabeth were related and and just you pick up little points here and there And you're going to know more about the Bible and how it's connected than some of these people who are out there who think they're so smart and know so much, and yet the ideas that they're coming up with are just out to launch. So um, we really have a, a privilege to have such good books that teach us so much about the Bible. Once you get through the Conflict of the Ages series, then go to the Testimonies for the Church. And basically any issue any major issue that you are going to face individually or within the church you're going to find in that nine volume set it's the testimony of jesus of the Adventist church and listen if there's some adults here in this room who've never read through the testimonies boy you, you need to get them out i mean if you're a seventh-day Adventist and you haven't read the testimonies and you're past the age of 25 there's no excuse you, you can read it i mean you can You can read your news and your whatever, you have time. Listen, you make time for what's important to you, and you all know it. Every single one of you makes time for what is most important to you. And if you can't make time to read the testimonies, you need to reevaluate your commitment level to your walk with God. Steps to Christ, Conflict of the Ages series, Patriarchs and Prophets, Prophets and Kings, Desire of Ages, Acts of the Apostles, Great Controversy, Powerful Reading. Once you get through that, then you go through the practical and sometimes uncomfortable testimonies that many of which will hit us personally. um, But don't stop there. Make sure you read other things like Christ Object Lessons, which has practical yet deep illustrations of the parables of Christ. Uh, I'm sure that you can't get through Washington Hills. I haven't asked, but I'm guessing this is a safe bet that you read the book, Education, by the time you're done here. That's why you're here. It's one of the best books she ever wrote, True Education. So many people don't understand what true education is. And I went through all the way through La Linda, through medical school. And yes, I gained some good education, but true education is different than good education and make sure you know the difference physical mental and spiritual it's a comp- it's a it's a complete package and you know right now the the Seventh-day Adventist Church is promoting a program called revived by His word and it's going through the Bible for the second time now corporately as a church. but now this time after the latest general conference session it's added um, the spirit of prophecy and it started with steps to Christ. Now it's just finishing up Christ's object lessons and I'm guessing it will hit the conflict series after this I'm not sure but um, the, that's a good way to get into the reading program as well. Now th- those are some practical helpful illustrations. so if you haven't really read her writings before maybe you're in academy or even college start with steps to christ make sure you have that personal relationship with jesus and if you're really connected to the Lord as you're reading through steps to christ you're going to develop a deep meaningful walk with him and then you'll build on that you go through basically the whole bible as you read the conflict series then you make things practical as you go through the testimonies as she deals with specific issues and then cover some of the other books christ object lessons education councils on stewardship um, councils on education there's a lot of other books that are out there Um, messages to young people a lot of wonderful books now I would say that I would recommend that you read through all of the books that she wrote as a book and then you can go to the compilations after that because messages to young people is excellent but it's a compilation councils on diet and foods is excellent but it's a compilation and it's a bit different when you're reading one-liners paragraph after paragraph after after paragraph which are all good versus reading a book straight through that she wrote from start to finish. So start with the books that she wrote from start to finish and then go to the compilations after that. I'm fine with compilations, but I would just say read the books that she wrote from start to finish first and then go from there because then that gives you a clear foundation of of her writing style. Now, what about how do we use the spirit of prophecy within the church? And there's sort of this age-old conflict wherever I've been as to the level of appropriateness for quoting her even from the pulpit and how do we use her um, in a church board meeting setting and so on and so forth. Well, first of all, I would say in any setting where all of you are Seventh-day Adventists, you should never have to apologize for using her writings. I mean, if you're having to apologize for using the writings of Ellen White among Seventh Adventists, there's something wrong with that picture. So, especially when you're in a board meeting and and then they're like, oh, we don't want Ellen White, you know, that, you should be able to use her counsel and instruction, which is the testimony of Jesus within the church setting, where you are dealing with each other as fellow brother, brothers and sisters, dealing with an issue, and we have counsel from the Lord on that issue. Now, what I would say first, though, hopefully you can have clear biblical instruction. I mean, the Bible's pretty clear on most things. I mean, Some people try to make it sound like, and unfortunately I've seen this in recent times, they try to make divorce and marriage seem like it's a muddy issue and whatever. The Bible has very clear issues, or a very clear counsel on that. Ellen White makes it even clearer, but if you can have a clear, "Thus saith the Lord from the Bible, great, but Ellen White often gives us further helpful counsel. So what I'm saying there is if you're among Seventh-day Adventists, maybe it's in a church board setting or an institutional board setting, or maybe you're in a meeting s- setting um, where everybody is Adventist. You know, there shouldn't be any issue with that. Now, sometimes people raise concern, and this is where I'm coming from. You don't necessarily have to agree with me, but this is where I'm coming from. Sometimes people raise concern by saying, well, we're bringing our non adventist friends to church, and we're concerned that you're quoting from LMY." and this is what I would say to that. Ellen White wrote the Conflict of the Ages series and Christ Object Lessons and Steps to Christ for the purpose of reaching non-Adventists. And as canvassers, those of you who do canvassing from the school, what are you doing? You're going out and you're selling these books to people, right? Because you're trying to get the message into their hands. And if Ellen White found that these books were appropriate, and in fact she says that she had a greater desire for the book Great Controversy, of the five books of the conflict series, that's the one that has the most controversial stuff. It identifies the Antichrist and, and... the mark of the beast and the sunday law and all of that kind of stuff and that was the book that she was more eager to get into the hands of the people that are out there in the world more than any of the other books that she has written although she certainly wasn't opposed to her other books getting out there and I would just make a plug to the canvassers I'm sure you've heard this but if there's any one book you want to sell to the people make sure it's The Great Controversy. you don't be afraid of that book but when you're giving a message in church I would simply say, <clears throat> you know, there's, there's certain ways that you can present something, but I believe that in a Seventh-day Adventist church and Seventh-day Adventist pulpits, we should not be ashamed of the use of her writings. That She is the testimony of Jesus to God's last day remnant church. And just remember, one of the last deceptions of Satan is to make her writings of none effect. And if we start to get to the point of Seventh-day Adventist where we feel we can't even use her in our pulpits, what is the devil doing? He's making her writings of none effect. Now, certainly I'm not for a bad approach to the use of her writings in the church, and I think we've all seen that happen at times. Um, you can beat people over the head with the Bible from the pulpit and certainly you can do that with LMY, and it's probably a bit easier to do that with her writings just because of the clear language that she uses but you know I wouldn't go to an obscure manuscript release if you're in a room full of non adventists and then use that um, I would start with steps to Christ desire of ages and things of that nature but all I'm saying is don't get scared away from the use of the writings of Ellen White in Adam's pulpits and if um, if you're not a preacher but you're just someone who is a supportive member in the church be encouraging of your church to continue to uphold the spirit of prophecy in the church because my belief is is that the churches that continue to uphold her writings in their churches and in their congregations and who are using the methods that she has encouraged us to use. Christ's method alone is the, I'm not going to quote it the right way. You probably know it better than me, but it will bring true success in reaching people. You gain their confidence. Then he said, follow me. If we're using that method and if we're using her writings, we shouldn't have any difficulty in, um, in reaching people or in turning them off from from being interested in her writings, because if she is truly the testimony of Jesus, when her writings are used properly, it should bring conviction to those who are even not members of our church. So I think we're about out of time here, so let me just summarize what I've shared so far. Ellen White makes it very clear how she understands her role. She's the lesser light, leading to the greater light. But God clearly has spoken through her with a message. And she does have authority for us as a people in a, on a personal level with testimonies to us and also doctrinally. When she speaks on doctrine, what she says was coming from God. And it's not simply her opinion. She wasn't under the influence of her husband, James White or Uriah Smith or anybody else. She was speaking on behalf of of Christ. And she is not the Bible because she's one prophet, and there were many prophets over a span of centuries that constitute the greater light known as the canon of Scripture. But the same spirit that inspired the Bible inspired her, so she has authority as the Bible has authority and make sure that you're reading her writings don't discard the bible make sure you're spending time in the bible but make sure you're reading her writings as well start with steps to christ then go to the five-part conflict of the ages series then go to the testimonies then go to all of the other books that she wrote from start to finish then go to the compilations and maybe finish up with the manuscript releases and they're all very good you're going to get a blessing from reading all of them and make sure that you're not afraid to use her properly within the the realm of the Adventist church. Don't be ashamed of using her writings. Use her in a friendly, positive way. But there are times when we need to stand up and to speak up on behalf of truth. And I can tell you that those who are opposed to her writings are not afraid to stand up and to condemn her and to condemn the pillars of our faith. And God is looking for people here in this room tonight who are going to make a difference in the Adventist Church in the future going forward who in a Christ-like way will stand up and say, we believe that we are the remnant church and that we have the testimony of Jesus and that God has spoken through Sister Wyatt. Amen. So that's a good stopping point for our meeting this evening. Um, we are going to be back at seven o'clock for the last meeting and again remember, If you have questions you can come up there's some yellow sticky notes up here you can write the questions out and i believe pastor powell is going to help collect those questions and we or you can just leave them up here that's fine and we will take those questions after my presentation in the next session so let's go ahead and um, as far as possible let's kneel for prayer Father in heaven, we thank you for the Sabbath that we've been able to spend together. And as the Sabbath hours draw to a close, we just want to thank you that you love us so much that you have given us a testimony to help us in our personal walk with you. So I just pray that we would accept these messages and that we would spend time in these messages, that we would incorporate these messages, and that people would be able to see that our lives have been changed into the image of jesus so be with each person here i thank you for this school for this institution be with each student faculty member family and friend member of this institution and we thank you for all your blessings to us and um, i pray this in jesus name amen Mm